0: Hey, Dan, can you guys hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, Justin, how are you doing? I'm really good, Dan. If you can give me just a minute on,
1: um, so I can invite all the co-hosts and everything. Um, I need to get, uh, Snowden Bishop is gonna be in here, Melanie is gonna be in here. Um,
0: I just need to get them all added. How are you doing? I'm well, actually. I just finished getting some work stuff done and excited for this space here today. yeah,
1: I, you know i'm really I'm really excited about about uh, Arkansas, and um I think that you guys are poised to 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 make change and 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 uh, what the state has really uh, helped me to see is that we need more red rural uh, a red district outreach from the democrats it's really important because we've just we've just given up on them
0: we've given up on you guys well you know and arkansas is in a really unique political position right now where i mean i I don't know. I I can wait till more people get on till we get into it because we have some great speakers. I mean, Lauren is really awesome. Um, I've met her a bunch of times. Chris is really awesome. I've met him a lot. Um, So we're all kind of on the same page already, which is really cool. But I'm sure we'll talk about many times how Arkansas is not a red state. Like, we were a blue state and we flipped red when out-of-state billionaires poured tens of millions of dollars into our elections. And then people got so disenfranchised, they stopped showing up to vote. But we'll we'll talk about all of that here in a bit. Yeah,
1: yeah. I've got – I see I have um, – Snowden has just arrived. Let's see. I'm going to make Melanie and – Um, Snowden, I'm gonna make y'all, let's see. I'm going to make you guys here, Lauren. Hi, nice to see you. Hi, Ramona. Okay, um, let's see. Okay, I'm inviting you as a co-host, Snowden. Did you get added, Snowden? There you are, okay. You're not in this space. Well, I'll add her soon, so. Anyway, hi, Lauren, how are you? Oh, I didn't make her a speaker, invite to speak. There we go. I really hope they, they fix this so that you can do it from your computer. How are you doing, Lauren? I'm good, how are you guys? I'm really good. So um, I'm not sure what time Chris is gonna get here we're also supposed to have um, Alan Ellison and we've invited tons and tons of people. And um, so yeah, last week was amazing. Last week was brilliant. And I wanna thank all of you guys for making it such a good experience for me. I mean, it, it really changed the trajectory of, of of what I was doing. I did, I felt really validated, so thank you.
2: I think I'm gonna have to reconnect, give me a second.
1: No problem. And also, if you guys have problems, because it's just the start, uh, it's good to to sometimes restart your phone completely, because sometimes there's an app that's going that's, that messes things up. Oh, there's Alan. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. Hurry up. Snowden. All right. And just so you, you all know, I'm, I'm working on my best on making as many ways for us to communicate as possible. And so there's going to be tools that I'm setting up that I'm going to going to try to make accessible to, to as many candidates as possible. And so I went and I uh, signed up to be a partner with call hub so that I had phone banking software. And what I'd like to do is set up a Discord server. Discord's a gaming app, and it's kind of like um, Skype plus, uh, plus Slack together. And uh, I wanted to be able to uh, put a whole bunch of uh, volunteers in there so that the volunteers would be able to work for the the, the whatever candidate needed them. So,
3: Oh,
1: oh look. Hi, Alan, it's wonderful to see you. Ronnie Ray, it's nice to see you too, that you're in here. Okay, we're just getting all set up. Snowden? How's everybody doing? Is everybody connected okay? Yeah, Alan Ellison's here. Yeah, I see that. Um, I see Lauren is still here, and I don't see... Um, she's she's talking. Hey, Maxwell, how are you doing? All right. Okay. Uh, there we go. Snowden is here, so we can just about start. Um... Snowden invite his co-host great okay hey Lauren how are you doing
2: yeah I'm good I fixed when I got
1: home no I meant the other Lauren (laughs) Lauren Lauren Hubbard got in here it's so nice to see all of you guys in here and Maxwell I'm going to give you um, okay invite to speak here we go. Maxwell, I was just talking about um, a Discord server I wanted to set up. Uh, can you hear me? Where'd you go? You're not here anymore. Oh. Okay. Snowden? There we go.
3: All right.
4: i'm having trouble accepting the co-host thing it's not showing up on my screen on on my phone i'm technically challenged but i'm here
1: okay hi everyone um how's everybody doing
5: hi everybody's fine i hope i'm not answering for everybody but i'm okay
1: nice to see you ronnie um, I'm really excited to see um, Alan in here, uh, Alan. You know, I'm from Florida. I, I'm in Florida 20th, and I, I was really excited, a little nervous actually, to meet you. So, how are you doing?
6: I'm doing pretty good, and yourself?
1: I'm I'm really good. I don't know if you remember this, but right back maybe maybe a month or so after you um, had re- uh, started your run. I came to you and I told you, you know, this is, these are the good tips to make sure to secure your elections. And when I realized that there were lots of candidates that were going to need help like that, I decided to do this. So.
6: Well, thank you so much for what you do. I really do appreciate it.
1: Yeah. So um, can you tell me what's going on in the race and, 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 and the Senate race and, you know, like just new information we might not know about and maybe some hurdles that you're facing that, that, you know, that you could get some help with from, from
6: people like us? Well, one of the things I definitely wanted to focus on was making sure that uh, we are registering more voters across the state. Um, you know, at one point, Democrats were uh, ahead of Republicans. We had almost 100,000 more registered uh, Democrats than Republicans, but Republicans have now taken the lead And um, if we're gonna have a chance at winning across the state, we're gonna have to register more voters. Uh, And it's one of the things that we saw uh, that worked very well in Georgia in the last election because they registered 900,000 more uh, Democrats. Um, Florida has become the largest democratic Mm -hmm. party in the country, uh, but it it would not matter if we can't overtake the Republicans, especially in a midterm election year where Democrats usually don't come out to vote. So we have to amplify the messages of our candidates. Our our campaign is getting ready to put out a a magazine to highlight all of the candidates that are running across the state. We have to amplify the messages because we believe that um, our messages are inspirational. We have to lead on the issues because Democrats have been working for the people, uh, making sure that there are policies that directly and positively impact um, the people, Floridians. And the people need to understand that because if they don't, then the Republican message is going to overtake the Democratic message. So making sure that um, amplification of. Candidate messages, uh, it's just going to be essential to victories. And that means not only um, looking at uh, platforms like Discord, but also registering with medium.com, registering with daily costs and basically increasing every possible medium that you can uh, to get the word out about who we are as candidates and who we are as a party.
1: That that is, I could not agree with you more. And uh, and just so you know, like I've been, I've been, yeah, I'm I watched uh, Pete Buttigieg. All right, now Pete Buttigieg was able to get through to the Iowa caucuses because he had a Discord server, and so I paid very close attention to this because MAGA used the Discord servers very well with the influence campaigns. And so at any point in time, uh, he Pete, Pete Buttigieg had maybe eight hundred people that were volunteers, or they were staff, they were contributors, donors, fans, and at any time he would have everything coming in. He had all of his information about him and people could just, you know, tweet out, uh, tweet out stuff that they saw on the discord server. And so I I've been working on modeling discord servers. I have one set up that I can kind of make a clone from for campaigns, and I'd really like to be able to help people with that. And, um, I also think that we should try to form a coalition, not just In in Florida, but across the nation, because, you know, Florida has a particular, you know, a particular subset of needs. And especially our our infrastructure was specifically hacked in 2016. And that is what Reality Winner went to jail for. And Ron DeSantis won't tell us which two counties were affected. Okay, we just know that our voter voter uh, registration databases were hacked into. He Ron DeSantis is under NDA uh, and he won't disclose that. So if I can help with amplification, I've been going over and like, I'm looking, some of you guys have amazing uh, campaign media, uh, uh, campaign an- announcement media. The problem is, is that sometimes they're on YouTube and sometimes they're on Twitter. And then when I go and I do see them on, on YouTube, they've got maybe a hundred views. And so what I'd like to do is try to gather as many of them as po- together as possible so that I can kind of like, put them up on a page somewhere like meet the candidates what I'm doing. I mean, I'm doing so much information gathering. And so if you guys, um, at the end of the show, I'll share it with you, a, a, a candidate survey, because it, I mean, if you guys can just put all of that information for me, I'll make it out in a way, like in a database some way so that people can grab it and, and then people have access to your, your donation, your website, your Twitter, your, we should have that in a centralized area. So we know who the candidates are and what they're doing. So, um, and uh, that's a great idea, Alan.
6: Um. Yeah, it's it's about who can control the most media platforms. And in today's uh, era, social media uh, is where it is. So that means making sure that every candidate has a, a, a TikTok, a Discord, um, all of these press release Uh, distribution mechanisms like daily costs or medium.com. We have to make sure that our our message is getting out because the thing that Democrats don't do very well, and that's branding and messaging. Republicans do that extremely well, and they burn these images uh, of who we are in the minds of voters, and it takes a lot to overcome those negative uh, branding uh, strategies, and, and it takes a lot to, to rebrand who we are as a party. So a lot of times, if you see me tweeting, you'll see me using certain hashtags like United for America or United for Florida. Uh, and you'll see me do a lot of educating because campaigning is really about educating. And the most educated voters are usually the ones who are going to vote for the best leaders to represent their interests. And so As uh, as a party, we don't see the party uh, leadership helping out in this way. So we have to take it upon ourselves to do the necessary work, to do the heavy lifting, to to make sure that each candidate, not only in the state of Florida, but each candidate that believes like we believe across the nation, uh, that we are amplifying. That's why you will see me retweet other candidates' messages, because my audience may find something about those candidates that they like, and they may decide to make a contribution or join their team. And so we have to work together because if we're not united, at least as a party, then that's just one step um, backwards and allow the Republicans to continue to win. When we had more registered Democrats in Florida, uh, we had more uh, leaders in the state house and in Congress who are from the Republican Party. That means that our voters were not that inspired, it means that our voters were not that motivated, and our party was not organized enough to make sure that those uh, voters were not only getting uh, registered and going out to vote, but just inspired and motivated enough to get more people registered and participate in this process. And so that's why we do what we do uh, like, I don't have airtime on national television, but our campaign is still reaching 10 million people every 28 days because of what we do with our outreach, our, our um, social media component, uh, with our writers teams, and making sure that the message is going out, you know, on every possible place uh, where there's an opportunity. Because we have to take our individual voices, amplify them, and make sure that we are reaching audiences where uh naturally we just don't you know have the, the audience so if i can't get uh a million people from being on cnn i can get a million people from putting out a tweet that goes from discord to facebook to TikTok to instagram um uh, and even roblox you know
1: <clears throat> um alan i, I want to let you know something like just from hearing you okay I was really nervous before, because back in when Biden was looking for VP, I was really big on Val Demings as a, as a vice presidential choice. OK, and like I haven't made any decisions about any anybody that I'm voting for in Florida. And I was really nervous because I just didn't know. But I want to let you know that just from what you just said, that you have made a huge impact on 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 because I don't think that Val Demings would say anything that you just said. So I really appreciate what you're doing because that's a lot of work. That's the sign of a true leader right there. Um, and I, I, you have no idea how much I appreciate you right now. Um, advancing some tools that you might be able to use to help you. Okay. There's something that Natalie James showed me. It's called restream.io. And what restream.io will do is it will set things up so that you can do a single, uh, live stream. And that single live stream can be on zoom. You can record the call and then you can release it on Facebook and uh, Twitter and Twitch and like 18,000 other places. They've got a whole bunch that you can do. So that means that you have to do one recording and the recording can be released over all of those platforms instead of having to do individual platforms. I think that can help a lot of the candidates here. Um, another thing, um, I have detailed information from 2020 about Florida races, and I'd be more than happy to give that to you just because I think it's good to see who raised what, when, how much, and where, who was the opponent, who was the the Democrat, the Republican, who were the third parties. There, there were tons of races that were just, you know, very interesting. Um, there were lots of races with, with no Democrat running, which I can't, I just don't understand. And uh, the last thing is, and this is public knowledge. I've done tweet threads on it. I found information that showed that there was a $1 million payment into a super PAC set up to elect Marco Rubio. It was it was put in there six months after Rubio was elected by a Russian oligarch. And it was put in there on the same day that Marco Rubio announced that he was going to be uh that his Senate campaign staff had been hacked the same exact day. March, I think it was March 31st. So I would be more than happy to get that information to you too. So, because I think you're, you're on the completely right track and I have so much respect for you and I want to help as many of you candidates as possible.
6: Okay? Thank you very much. I do have Restream. Um, we've toured around with a lot of different uh, platforms that can help uh, like seamlessly get videos out Uh, live videos out and as well as recorded videos and restream to me seems to be the best one I think it's about maybe 600 bucks to get that but that's definitely a good one I do recommend that you know other candidates get that but I also want to make sure that other candidates are duplicating what I do in terms of engagement Uh, people oftentimes don't get involved with politics because they feel like politicians are not listening They feel like politicians are going to do whatever it is that their corporate donors want them to be doing. And so I made it a a point to be the most engaging politician. I made it a point to listen, to have monthly town halls, to have the power hour chats, to ask the questions about what's keeping people up at night, because people need to feel as if they are being heard and that the leaders are going to take their issues to heart and try to work for uh, solutions that's going to benefit their lives and that's (laughs) what i want every candidate on this call to be doing because not only is it going to make a difference in the election process but it's going to stimulate voters to get excited enough to get out and vote and possibly register other voters we want our our um our party we want the people in our party to at least try and get at least three other people registered to vote every day. If we can do that in this state, if we can do that across the country, we will secure the House, we will secure uh, a majority in the Senate. And then I'll tell you this, there are 175 um, districts across the country that have been gerrymandered that will benefit Republicans to 75 districts that Democrats control across this country. So it's Mm -hmm. going to be very important that we register more Democrats than we have been. And right now we are we are not doing so well in Florida with getting people registered to vote. So I want to definitely start pushing the issue, making sure that um, we are getting on these college campuses like we did in 2019 and get back to the hard work of uh, registering voters Uh, because I think there were about 153 um, mm-hmm. voter suppression bills that were introduced in about 43 states. And so we have so much to overcome. It's a midterm election year. We have gerrymandering, we have voter suppression laws, but the Democrats, we have to we have to stand up and do the necessary work that it's gonna take because if we lose the house, uh, because politicians in the house are playing musical chairs, and then we're losing about 38 Democrats to retirement. And and here's the other thing. A lot of people are saying that if the um, Republicans take the House, their strategy is to appoint Trump as Speaker of the House. Yeah. Yes, yes, and yes, and that's why I'm doing this.
1: That's specifically the reason why. And because their plan right now is that when they appoint him as Speaker of the House, what they're going to do is they're going to, to um, uh, immediately impeach Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. They've been setting the stage for all of this. If many of you may n- not know this, but the Afghanistan withdrawal was not negotiated by Joe Biden. It was negotiated by Trump. And Mike Pompeo went several times after the election, in which everything was set up and designed to fail. All right. Now and that in and of itself is its own impeachable offense, its own, its own, you know, criminal offense. And what I'm seeing and, and what's very upsetting is that there are not going to be very many. Uh, congressional GOP that, that gets subpoenas because the, the, the Democrats are just accepting the fact that they're going to lose the house. We cannot lose the house. All right. Because it, it, their likelihood is we're going to lose the Senate. If we lose the Senate, then after they're impeached, them the, the, the Republicans can with, with 50 votes, they can deny if they have the majority, they can deny the Democrats the right to enter the chambers. And if that happens, they can do um, the, by uh by uh, was it 67%, it would be 35 of, of the 50 that are there. 35 members of Congress did not vote for the January 6th commission that are Republican. And so this is a serious issue. And so how Democrats can just say, oh, it's fine to lose the house. No, that that's, it's not fine. If we lose the house, we lose our democracy for a generation. And so Alan, you're making a huge impact on me. Um, I'd like to let you know, um, First of all, and I think this is important for all of the red state candidates, okay? All the red state candidates, all right? I'm going to say something which is radical, all right? Which I know a lot of you might find, you know, I really want you to think about it. We are at a point right now where we need to think about endorsements, all right? David Jolly, David Jolly is a man of integrity. And if he were running for governor, I would vote for him, okay? I have intensely... Looked over his 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 records. He started something called the Sam Party. Now, what the Sam Party does, I want to let you know. I'm looking for endorsements from him. He will endorse Democrats. Okay, and the only thing that he asks is that you align with the Sam Party uh, values. The Sam Party values that he laid out are simple. They are about transparency, accountability, and 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 um, and uh, increasing access to, to 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 for voters. All right. And then he lays out in it like you agree to a process. There's a legislative process in which you listen to what the problem is to find the define the problem, to collaborate with others, and then you then re- review the process. And then afterwards, you go back and review yearly uh, um, legislation. So there, like he has just taken this down to the point where it's just uh, you know like politics 101 or civics 101 to to create an atmosphere in which people are able to govern. All right. And uh, because it, David Jolly is one of the early Tea Party members, he was also one of the, the very first person to leave the Republican Party when Donald Trump came into office and supported impeachment before even Dems did. And so I think that immediately so many of you could get could get um, conservative cred by 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 doing this. And and in, and in a place like Arkansas and and, and in a place like uh, like um, I mean, so many places, places like Missouri, I think that could be a, a, a big deal. And so I'd like you to think about that.
6: Sounds like a plan.
1: All right. Um, and uh, cannabis, if you need to have, we, cannabis gets people out to vote. There's a woman in here and her name is Snowden Bishop. And Snowden Bishop, she has, she has a nationally syndicated show, radio show called The Cannabis Reporter. And so she knows a lot about cannabis, about the, the laws, regulations and everything. And, um, you know, it, it, cannabis can, can get, if we do initiatives, uh, state initiatives, that is something that could for any of the States here, I know for, especially for Arkansas, it's an agricultural state. That is something that could get a lot of people out to vote. Okay. So I'd like you all to think about that too. Um, Alan, is there, is there anything else
6: you want to let us know? I feel like I'm learning so much from you. No, I'm, I mean, I, I came on here tonight just to, um, you know, communicate with you and the people and and see what I can learn and how I can help. You know, the the thing is, um, I actually ran for, um, this seat. I want people to know this. I ran for, um, U S house of representatives in 2018, um, And I ran on a 28 day campaign. And the circumstances surrounding that campaign was this. The Democratic nominee, uh, her name was April Freeman. She had passed away 30 days before the election. Um, And this was inside of District 17 in Florida, which is the largest congressional district in the state, uh, covered 10 counties, Uh, It's also the the largest Republican stronghold in the Cape uh, state. We have Lee County, which is a a county that has more registered Republicans than any other county in the, uh, in the state. So when she passed away, there was a special election and I won the special election with 52% of the vote against three other contenders for that seat. Inside of that, Uh, 28 days, the ballots were already printed. So I ran a 28 day campaign without my name on the ballot. Our campaign went into gear and we did all of the things that you see me doing now, being very engaging, going into as many as six churches every Sunday, speaking, holding town halls, uh, uh, social events to learn about the issues in 10 counties, By the time we got to the election day, we had secured 117,000 votes in 28 days in the state's largest congressional district. And what I'm saying is, is that if we are going to win, we have to listen to the people. We have to make sure that we understand what these issues are. And we have to be coming up with solutions that can directly and positively impact their world. Oftentimes, We have people who run for office for personal gain, but what we need is for people to run for office and we need to support individuals who are all about making social impact, who are all about making change. It's not enough to say that I have done all of these things and I've benefited self. It has to be about what have you done to impact someone else's life? What have you done to build society? And a lot of these candidates that are running, the only thing that they have to show is personal gain. You know, we can't we can't just continue to do the same thing that we've been doing, expecting a different result. We have to look at, you know, candidates that have a history of helping. And so I want people to know this about me. My gift is helping people. This is what I do when no one's looking. Running for office for me is a way to maximize my gift of helping others. So whether I'm in office or not, I still have to be me. I still have to engage in the very thing that I believe that I was put on this earth to do. And so we have a choice. We can continue to vote for politicians with name recognition who, who say all of the right things, or we can actually look a little deeper into the history of people that are all about making positive impact and and working towards having a, a more perfect union because at the end of the day if people are not asking you what keeps you up at night if they're not working towards making your life better then you're going to end up getting the same thing you've always got and that's just nothing so that's what I wanted to say um I I entered into tonight
1: nervous about speaking with you and and you know not wanting to get involved but this the things that you're saying and the the way that you're saying it it is what I would do if I were a candidate and it really sways my opinion about about who I'm going to be voting for and what I'm going to be doing so I I want to let you know how how powerful I think that is and how much I encourage all of you to to listen to what Alan said because that it's That is exactly what I'm trying to do for you. So, I mean, we all have to be Alan. We all have to work this way. There's no one paying me to do this. There's no one paying Snowden to do this. Or Melanie, we're doing this because we need to do this. It's that important. And so, it, you know, how Alan said, if you can get three more people to, 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 to register to vote, well, you know what? If you can, if we can create, like, networks where you all pick, uh, pick a, a, another person in another state, All right. That you, that, that you admire and that you want to work with so that we can, that we can come up with these hurdles together. And then I will try to create the platforms so that, you know, like I've created a signal chat, all, everyone should be using signal apps. It's not even a question. You're going to get hacked. All right. If, If you're not using signal, you're going to get hacked and all of your stuff is going to be exposed. If you use signal that won't happen, but I'm setting up signal rooms so that that candidates can stay in communication with one another. And then, and then a question, a single question that's asked of that candidate might solve your problem, okay? And so if you have a question that, that's publicly, okay to be publicly asked like that, then, then you might solve someone else's problem. Now, um, as far as amplification, I was in a Ro Khanna DM room working for Medicare for All and a Green New Deal for a year and a half. And what, there was a point when Ro Khanna had even Asked me to share information. Uh, He said, "Would you would you share this?" Him and his campaign manager asked us, "Would you share an article uh, pushing Rokana to be Bernie Sanders' um, vice presidential nominee?" And I told I told Rokana that I wouldn't put it out, but I I wanted him to be. You know, he would be a great vice president. But I, you know, but still, like he put us the way that that worked. He gave us access to his campaign, and in return, we were his influencers. And so there, you'll notice that there are like Team Pelosi and Team Kana. If you see those things with, with any candidate, that means that they set up an amplification room. And so in that amplification room with any Twitter DM, what you can do is you can just DM a bunch of people and then you can you can change the picture that appears and turn it into like a little chat room. And then on Twitter, you can have uh, you know, as long of a, of a conversation as you want. And then you can add up to seventy-five people. So if you find, maybe it could be staff, maybe it could be volunteers, it, maybe it could be influencers in your states or in your districts. I mean, Rokana asked me to be a part of it. I'm in Florida, and he was over in San Jose, and so like it was it was we worked from across the country to to work on these these goals. So it's it's it could be anybody, but uh, you know I would try to organize those things for for candidates in general. But my advice to you, if you wanna do the amplification, get as many people as you can, and then you can put a tweet in that one room, and then instead of you putting out a tweet hoping 75 people retweet it, you're putting a a tweet in a room where you know 75 people are going to retweet it. And that dramatically increases your reach and and your engagements on that tweet. Um, Having said that, um, I'm... Really excited to see that Chris Jones is here. I would like to see the floor. I'm gonna go uh, Chris, and then I'll let Dan speak, and, and um, who else, and I see Lauren here. I really like Lauren, we talked the other day. You're great, Lauren. Um, and I really, Chris, I would, I, I, think you have such an amazing video. Uh, 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 I like science and math, okay? <laughs> so we have to talk shop sometime. Yeah. Um, I, I wanna let you, know, like I wanna know what is going on in your race what are some hurdles that you're facing? What what can people like me and and, and Melanie? What
7: can we do to help you? Uh, first of all, I appreciate you uh, making space uh, for me tonight. And um, Alan, we haven't met in person, but I'm uh, in in constant awe of the work that you do, uh, and and the, and the way you occupy space. Uh, it, it it means the world to uh, to this brother from Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Um, and and I'm I'm, I'm I am I am excited that folks like you, Alan, are willing to um, to 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 show up without diminishing your own light. So so uh, big up to you. It's good to see uh, some other Arkansans in the space. Uh, I know this is my first time here, uh, but but hearing you all talk um, it makes it feel like home. So Melanie, thanks for uh, for reaching out. Thanks for Justin for uh, for allowing me here. I, you know, Justin, to your question. Um, I'll work backwards in some sense, and, and, but before I do, uh, I'll give like just a 15-second uh, run of me to kind of level set a bit maybe. Um, I, I grew up eating honeysuckle, riding dirt bikes, and fighting grasshoppers, um, but, I, but I love science, and so that's that's why I went on that pursuit. Um, and it was always a matter of, of asking the questions why, um, being willing to do the hard work of seeking the answer, but always being on a path that that helps to make a difference in somebody's life. Um, and so when you when you raise the issue of what are we facing here in Arkansas, what am I seeing on the ground? You know, I, I honestly believe that one of the biggest challenges uh, is belief. Is this is this idea, and particularly in my race, um, and I'm I'm sure it's in the race of others, but this idea that that there is a future that is written in stone uh, and it's inevitable. And there's, there's no agency that we have in shaping the direction. Um, and you, you hear it in the voice of those that have been on the ground fighting for a long time, that have run, this is my first time running for uh, this kind of office. I was mayor of the youth council, so some people count that. Uh, I, I'm not sure I do, but, um, but I learned a lot there. Um, but you hear it in the folks that are that are younger and have not been served by the current political discourse, um, have not been served by by current politicians. Um, you 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 hear it in people that are just busy with their own life day to day. And for what I believe is that it's a part of how um, the likes of Sarah Huckabee Sanders play the game, right? So they 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 want it to be inevitable um and and there's there's that sense so that that's that's to me that's the biggest thing we're fighting against because at the end of the day once people wake up and i and i love what alan has said about engaging people we're about to launch a i've been all over the state um in the most quote-unquote red areas of the state um in places that i spent time growing up as a kid in places that they tell you that black people shouldn't go um in the daytime or nighttime i've been there and have enjoyed it and loved it and engaged with people um and we're about to embark on a 30-day 75 county tour of 75 counties in arkansas so over, over the period of 30 days in february uh, i'm going to hit all 75 counties and re-hit some counties because of the things that alan said like we you know when you engage people directly uh, that's how change happens. Um, I, I, what I need is a continued amplification of um, of our of our message. Continued connections like these. You know, I, I don't I don't come from a a big name in politics or in business. I don't come from uh, having easy access to a big platform. And yet, I, I do think the message that we're out there. What is that message? And I, I think Alan nailed it by saying we Democrats tend to have a, a tough time getting a message out and sticking to it. Um, you know, there are a lot of issues we have to face. And I'm glad marijuana is going to be on the ballot. We have to deal with, um, you know, with with criminal justice reform. Um, there, poverty in, in and across Arkansas is critical. When when two thirds of our state are what's called ALICE, asset limited, income constrained, but employed, so they can barely pay their bills, and yet. Um, I learned as a scientist, as a minister, that you got to really get to the core of the message. So for me, the core message is spreading PB&J across the state, spreading PB&J across the state. You're going to hear more about that, but that's what I say to people. Um, And, of course, you're asking what in the world does that mean uh, and why are you talking about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Well, PB&J is preschool broadband and jobs. Uh, And and the reason we say spreading across the state is because we have to hit it everywhere. Uh, So I need help amplifying those simple messages like, hey, look, at the end of the day, what we're focused on is, you know, preschool broadband and jobs. So we want to spread PB&J. And and that, I, I believe that that will make a difference in people's minds. And they'll get past the fact that I'm a black man. They'll get past the fact that, you know, I haven't held office and they'll get past the fact that uh, the Sarah Huckabee Sanders effect of, of inevitability. Uh, and I, I think they'll show up. So that's what I need help with, man.
1: I was waiting for that. I'm so happy that I heard the PBJ story because Cynthia Adams was on here <laughs> maybe three weeks ago and she told me all about it. And, and as a white boy that, that has five godchildren yeah. that are five godchildren of mm-hmm. color, Okay, I know yeah. how to do the peanut butter and jelly. I was <laughs> very, very happy that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I want to
7: uh, do it one day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, um, yes. Uh, now, um, so yeah, I, I remember I did it in front of uh, at a barbecue in front of my goddaughter, and and uh, her mother said, "Look at your, look at your goddaddy. He's doing a peanut butter and jelly." <laughs> love it. And she said, "You picked him, mom."
7: <laughs> I love it. That's awesome, man. I love it. Man, it cracks me up. Did I lose you, Justin? I don't know where Justin went, but I want to ask all the listeners on the call
3: to please follow the candidates. They have blue check marks by their name for the most part. But if you're a listener on the call, follow the candidates. I'm sorry.
1: I'm back. Um, sorry about that. Um, no I don't know what the last thing we heard was
7: that uh, your your daughter said uh, oh, to, to right. her mother. Missed chicken. the important
1: part after um, when when Alan g- going from Alan to you, Chris. Okay, that shows our strength mm-hmm. as candidate uh, your strength as candidates because Alan totally inspired me into doing something, and you, Chris you just made me fall into this sense of like, we can do this and it's okay. And I'm happy. And Mm. guys to be able to, to pull those feelings from me, it shows the different strengths that you have. And so Chris, I want to let you know, I've been doing a lot of research into Arkansas. And you know, Mm. over two cycles ago, just I mean, yeah, they voted for for Trump twice, but they voted for Barack Obama twice. And I now what I've been doing, I think Every single one of you, Dan. I think you're amazing, Lauren. I think you you're the kind of person that really needs to be in Congress, Lauren, because you're just you mm-hmm. do all the things that need to be done. You you dot the i's, you slash the t's, and those are the kind of people that we need in Congress. Okay, but but Chris, what I envision, because you talked about a bus tour, I think that that as many of the people in Arkansas as possible, all all the state executives. I mean, I, haven't, I know that, that Kelly Crowder is, is here. I've not met her. Mm-hmm. Jesse Gibson has a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant uh, campaign announcement ad. That, that, I mean, that's great. I mean, we should get as many people mm-hmm. possible because you should be thinking about setting up your cabinet with all of your people in it. And and all of these other candidates, You, we need to think of ourselves as a team. It's so important because then mm-hmm. we can all use our strengths to help one another. And that's really what Alan was highlighting. And so yeah. I've already started pushing for trying to get in touch with um, the Reverend Dr. William Barber and I have more people's campaign. And I know that I know from the way he speaks and seeing him in person, there's nothing like it. There, I've seen him speak at the yeah. church of the epiphanies. There is nothing else like it. All right. And if he could come and, and be with you guys on, 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 mm-hmm. a bus towards reach and it's to certain, not every place. Cause he's very busy, but, but throughout the South and then have have that bus tour and other places, places like Kentucky, places like Missouri. Now, mm-hmm. I want to let you know this now. I'm really excited about this. Um, some of the people that I am connected with, one of them specifically knows the person at Apple that um, got Billy Ellish, the singer, to, to speak at the DNC. And I was, thinking, mm. I was thinking, okay, well, Regina Marston is in an influencer group with Alyssa Milano and Alyssa Milano asked her to be in the influencer group. Well, Halsey it was a part of the uh, who's a singer was in the original Women's March, so Alyssa Milano can get in touch with her. Um, now, uh, Janelle Monet campaigned for Elizabeth Warren, and someone sent me a picture mm. that said, "This is Carla's house, and Carla is is Elizabeth Warren's biggest funder." And then when I looked at Baxter Stapleton, who I think you should all follow, Baxter Stapleton, I watched a, a, a TED Talk. He used to work for Will I Am. He's collaborating with. Them. Oh. And so, if any of you all remember Band Aid and Farm Aid, okay. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and and Natalie James gave me this 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 idea, so I want to give that credit to her because I, you know, she gave me this idea with, with along with the idea of a bus tour. Okay, I don't want to steal it from her, but um, <laughs> what if we have voter aid? Mm. And if we focus, yeah. if we focus on red uh, uh, rural areas. And it it, like everywhere every Mm -hmm. time there's a big concert, it's in Los Angeles or Boston or Houston. Imagine if there was a if there was a stop in Little Rock if there was Johnson, Tennessee, Mm -hmm. there was something big like that.
7: Yes. Yes. Okay. Transformative. Transformative. Yeah,
1: it would it really would be transformative. And so then what we could do is diffuse, because there is so much anger, there is so much the potential for violence. And I think that with with concerts like this, that it might diffuse some of that anger. It might make people less angry at everyone else. And and because we have to do red state outreach, we have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I mean, I don't know what you think about that, but that's what I'm trying to think of specifically because of, of all of you great candidates at Arkansas.
4: So let me jump jump in there, Justin, uh, to say that at these events as well, we can register people to vote as mm -hmm. they're coming into these concert venues.
7: Yeah. Yep. And that's key, because as you probably have heard already multiple times, you know, Arkansas has nearly a million million people that could have voted but didn't show up uh, in the last cycle for for valid reasons, uh, for personal reasons, for reasons of... Of, uh, of of voter disenfranchisement and so you know both both the the act of making sure that they have a way to be engaged and to get registered and to your point justin the the aspect of of like wait a minute there's a movement that's going on that i can be a part of i don't have to hide in a corner because my state voted for trump the last two cycles um, I, I I can actually come out because there's something bigger going on that I want to be a part of, and I've always said like we're going to win this by coming together like the Avengers. That's the only way we're going to win this thing. Uh, yeah, you know yeah.
1: what? That's a good analogy, and and I like I really like the way you, you you can use humor to to make things because it's it sucks being stressed all the time, and t- it makes me mm-hmm. feel stressed.
7: <laughs> yeah, it does. It does
1: um and now i would like to guess i guess from here um go on over to dan and dan uh you know I, I you were one of the first candidates that i ever had a real talk with and i think that you're great i am passionate about about what's going on in arkansas and can you tell us what's going on with Boozman and what
0: we can do to help you yeah for sure and you know chris hit on a lot of really good points where We are doing things as candidates right now in our state to try to bring people together to try to flip our state back to blue, because a lot of times, especially if you're just looking at what the media is printing, they're saying that Arkansas is a red state, but we're truly not a red state. We were actually a blue state. uh, John Bozeman and Tom Cotton both replaced two Democratic senators. So we're really not trying to flip Arkansas blue. We're trying to flip Arkansas back to blue. And, you know, when I first entered this race, gosh, uh, over a year ago, Uh, You know, I've I've been trying to preach uh, to all the candidates to try to get us to do what Georgia did, because Georgia came up with a game plan and it succeeded. And if we just follow their game plan, then we can succeed as well, where what they did was they were able to get just giant events put together by having all the candidates show up by, you know, working together as a team Rather than campaigning by themselves, because if you have like, you know, you're in an area, you've got one candidate who's going to show up and maybe you'll go, maybe you won't. But if you're in an area and you have like the governor candidate, the Senate candidate, the secretary of state attorney general and so on, so on, are you going to show up? Absolutely. You're going to do what you can to make sure you make it over there. So it's a really important thing that we as candidates have to do. I know uh, politics is a very interesting thing where we do have primaries here in Arkansas that will be taking place on May 24th. So a lot of people are still trying to figure out what's going to happen. Uh, It it kind of sucks because it slows our momentum as candidates and as a democratic party in the state down for the next five months. But once that primary is over, we will have a good solid six months of getting out there together um, and showing this unified front, which is what's really important in a state like where in Arkansas, where we have such just straight voter disenfranchisement. Um, As Chris had said, we had a million people who were registered to vote who just didn't show up. And it's a really big problem. Arkansas, we're ranked 50, and not only voter registration, but voter turnout. So our really big, uh, the problem that we're working to overcome is getting those people to show up to the polls. We can get them registered, but if we get them registered and they don't show up, then you know it's just a, another registered voter adding to the statistics of people who aren't voting because they're disenfranchised. We've got to get them excited. And, you know, uh, Snowden, you are leading the charge. I love it. I think one of the most important policies that we can be using to get people engaged is cannabis. Cannabis is so huge. You know what, Chris? If you came out, Chris, and you said, you know what, y'all? The day I'm elected, I am expunging every cannabis conviction in Arkansas as your governor, and I am going to decriminalize it and let you all vote on whether you want it medicinal or recreational, but it will be decriminalized so all of our legal businesses have state protection. You would win that election, guaranteed. People are going to show up. Republicans are going to show up and vote for you. Um, so, you know, cannabis is a really important policy because it's not something that just affects Democrats or Republicans or independents. It affects everybody. I mean, there are so many people in Arkansas. I mean, you know, the U.S. is just known for private prisons and over incarceration. And Arkansas is actually number four in incarceration. We only have million people here, but we are number four in incarceration per capita. It's a big issue. And a lot of those incarcerations are nonviolent drug offenses. So I think, you know, that policy is really going to bring people together I mean, I've, I've been, you know, it's so funny because I feel like I know Chris, I know Lauren, all of us as candidates, we're out traveling the state, seeing each other so much now. I mean, we drove over 30,000 miles uh, in the last few months. Uh, just in December alone, we were able to go to 15 different Christmas parades around the state and get in front of over 100,000 people, which in a large state like Florida might not seem like a lot, but in a small state like Arkansas, it's quite a bit. So we've been doing what we can to get out there, listening to people. And, um, you know, it's really about getting people excited, getting them to feel like, you know what, if you show up and vote, we're going to change your life. Things are going to start to get better. And if you don't show up to vote, then everything is just going to stay the same and nothing's going to fundamentally change. Yeah, Um, I'm so
4: glad you said that um, because cannabis is a unifying issue. And I think that there have been recently a lot of Republicans that have sort of jumped on the bandwagon with it. But the only reason that cannabis was made illegal, first back in the 1930s, and then secondly, after, the, um, after 1971, when the uh, uh, Controlled Substances Act passed, Mm-hmm. It basically turned into just a big money maker for pharmaceuticals. Um, back in the 30s it was it was the oil companies because hemp was uh, such a big resource for fuel and for uh, carbon fibers and I mean Henry Ford think Henry Ford a big hemp farmer, he made uh, most of the composites for several of his vehicles out of hemp, uh, carbon, fibers and they made plastics out of it. And then he also made the engines to run on hemp fuel. And so with Anslinger and all these people back in in that day, the way that they managed to make DuPont and uh, and the Chevron oil fortune, all of those people benefited when hemp became illegal. And then following that cannabis became illegal because then you had the synthetic pharmaceutical companies. So, and today it's really the biggest uh, resource for private prisons because making cannabis uh, arrests basically makes them rich Mm -hmm. and it's this prison industrial complex. It gives new meaning to the word, but it's a, it's a wedge issue. And I think that we can solve the opiate crisis if, if they uh, take cannabis out of the Controlled substances altogether. Deschedule it. Make it legal everywhere, and then start funding the research because the the medicinal qualities of the plant are just phenomenal. And medical schools don't teach. Well, they do now a little bit. Some of them are at least making one lesson in a class about the endocannabinoid system. Mm-hmm. But it's one of the biggest systems in the human body that governs your immunity. It governs your neurological responses. I mean, it, it solves problems with epilepsy and autism and all sorts of things. So, And uh, the funniest thing is that I've never, ever been a stoner. And in fact, I, I used to hate <laughs> cannabis when I was a kid because I just hated being that inebriated. But I never got into it. the topic because of that. I always was concerned about climate and social justice. And uh, those were the biggest issues that drove me to cannabis. And it is a unifying issue across the board. And you'll get voters to support a Democrat if they'll legalize cannabis. I mean, you get Uh, Republicans to support Democrats if they legalize cannabis.
1: Oh, sorry. Excuse me, Dan. Um, It should be noted, just so all of you guys know, Snowden has a nationally syndicated radio show. It's called The Cannabis Reporter. She's got 100,000 followers on Facebook. Okay, and, and this, and Dan, you said something really important. You talked about going through and, and decriminalizing it and, and making it a class uh, schedule one or taking it off and then expunging the records. What it sounds to me like you're talking about is the State Reform Act, which was put through by Nancy Mace. Nancy Mace is a Republican in, uh, I want to say, North Carolina's first. Okay, now, Snowden and I have talked about this at length, all right? Because if Republicans want to make this look like a win, like they push for it, that might not be a bad thing. And there's a reason why. Okay. Because, first of all, passing, passing a bill like what you talked about, it, 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 the State Reform Act would decriminalize all, um, all marijuana federally. Okay. And then it would expunge all records of, for, for, for marijuana possession uh, federally. It won't do anything for the states and here alan i would really like you to listen closely here now because in the case that that happened it won't do anything at a state level all 50 states would have to then pass the same version of the bill in order for 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 state level offenses to be um uh to be uh expunged okay and so if you pass it federally you're going to get people like Ron DeSantis going, yeah, see, Republicans, we get, they got us. And then the second they turn around and do ballot initiatives in places like Florida with, with the same exact wording, you're going to see the same people go, whoa, 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 whoa. No, that can't happen here. Okay? And so you, that it, it, there's just, it is going to expose. There's no way they can hide from that hypocrisy. I mean, it's going to be so obvious. And the reason that Ron DeSantis will not let anything like that pass is because then we passed a constitutional amendment saying that we wanted felons to have the right to vote back. And then they went through and and they made it impossible, even though we passed that, that law right there, that expungement would would allow so many felons to regain the right to vote. All right. And so specifically in Florida and across the nation, if you see this, this um, even if Nancy Mace is doing it, I don't, okay. All right. She's all right. She's a Republican. I I don't see why we can't take legislation if it's good and, and work with somebody maybe they're trying to turn it into a poison pill i don't know but there's no reason not to embrace that bill and work for that bill and then push once we get into to the election cycle push ballot initiatives across the country in all as many states as possible places like texas because people will come out and vote if they know that they're going to get their, their lives back if they, because it would it would immediately r- release people from jail federally if it was passed the ballot issues would do the same thing. That will drive people to the polls. If they know, hey, I can get my dad out of jail,
0: that will drive people to the polls. And okay. you're, Justin, I think that's exactly why the GOP House members are trying to decriminalize cannabis right now is because they know if they're pushing this policy and the House Democrats aren't, then during the midterms, they will be able to get Democrats to vote for Republicans. So we have to make sure these really nonpartisan wedge issues are being pushed by the Democratic Party or it's just going to slaughter us. And we, you know, here in Arkansas, we have a really uh, Arkansas is a very amazing and unique state. But we also have this. This ability here in Arkansas to allow hemp to just change the lives of so many people in our state, because Arkansas used to be the number three producer of hemp in the entire country back in the 1930s before it was first made illegal. And then in 2017, with the last ag bill, they actually federally decriminalized hemp. So we could start growing hemp again and we could become the number one producer we have the delta region and in the delta region is where we have the most poverty we have So many counties in our state where the household income, the average household income is less than $25,000 per year. And these people are living in some of the most fertile land in the country. But unfortunately, a lot of these farmers are getting subsidized. They're getting paid to do nothing with that land, where instead we could become the number one producer of hemp. And then what we could do is we could we could process hemp in our state as well and we could require that only counties with an average household income of say less than thirty thousand can have a facility built in that county to bring good paying quality jobs where we can process hemp into biodiesel fuels into plastics uh, paper clothing uh, building materials there's so many different things you can do but we could really go i mean we are nearly the worst economy in the country Mississippi is the only economy that's worse than ours. And we could literally go from the worst economy to one of the best economies. It just takes having some politicians with political courage who are willing to take on like the health and pharmaceutical, the fossil fuel industry and the industries that are going to lobby against it because it's Cost them so much money. Now, this is these are state problems. Uh, this is something that Governor Chris Jones is going to be able to take care of for the people of Arkansas. Um, not myself at the federal level. Whereas what I will be able to do is make sure, you know, federally decriminalization of cannabis and then nationally expunging cannabis convictions. But, man, I I hate to have taken so much of everyone's time just to talk about cannabis and hemp, even though they're so important. No, you know what? Listen, and
1: I know I know, Dan, that you have something. Uh, that you like renters, renters rights, right? You were pushing yeah. for that and be, be keeping people in our, their homes. Now, Lauren, I was going to get to you next, but here now, Ronnie Ray Jenkins is running in Pennsylvania's 15th and see now I'm setting up a relational database because I'm going to, at some point I'm going to want to ask you guys for something. And so the way I'm setting things up is I have a give and a get. Because before I'm gonna, I come to you for anything, I'm going to have a, a, a get that will be of equal or lesser value, okay? Or a give that will be of equal or lesser value. And the reason I'm doing this is because Ronnie doesn't have a lot of support. He, he, he you know, he he knows Paul Poundstone, which is good, but he he's he's working from from scratch. And I think he is such a, an amazing candidate. The reason I bring this up, Ronnie, up is because he started a his family started a nonprofit 53 years ago. Okay, and what the nonprofit does, and I mean, I'll I'll let you talk about in a minute, Ronnie, is um, they go and they find rundown buildings, and then they restore the buildings, okay, and so and to make them livable, and then they allow people to live in the buildings, but they don't, they don't, um, they only make them pay thirty percent of whatever income that they have, so that they can they can stay in there. Now I, that is about all I know about this, but I'm so excited about this specifically because this really could be a model to, to end homelessness around the country. And so I've been trying to get as many people in in and around the Bay area um, because homelessness is just, a, 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 I've never in my life seen that level of abject poverty as when I was in San Francisco, it was heartbreaking. Okay. It was heartbreaking. And to know that there is a way of doing this, and so what Ronnie lacks in in you know big big funding and everything, he makes up for. He is a great candidate. So I'm going to make him let him uh, skip in front of you because I would like you all to know that we, we could if when you win, we could model this. This could be something that could fix homelessness in Arkansas. It could be up, uh, you know Kentucky and other places around the country. So Ronnie, can you? How are you doing, Ronnie?
5: Hi, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Um, Before we we get into any of that, I just want to remind people that we are a democracy and we'll do whatever it takes to preserve this democracy. I want you to know that America is tied by the umbilical cord to the boat. It is a right and it's probably one of the most important civic duties a citizen can do. We must protect the vote. We must make it and keep it fair and equal. we got to register new voters. We talked about that earlier. That's a real important area. We have to target the young, which I'm doing. I just got in touch with Penn State. I found somebody who works for them. I will get Penn State. And remind the old of this sacred and honored duty. And we have to do that. So keep that in mind. All of you candidates, fight for that vote. Register people to vote, get them excited, be relentless. Let's do it.
1: I love that. Yeah, Ronnie, I, 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 you know, you always get me pumped up. Can you let, can you let people know about the nonprofit? I'm not trying to push Ronnie's nonprofit just to push. This this, this
5: nonprofit, this nonprofit that, that we've talked about, this is called Independent Dwellings of Altoona, Pennsylvania, it was started 53 years ago by a pastor who saw the need for a roof over people's heads. And, and 53 years ago, he started it. I think there's probably about 40 buildings now throughout uh, Pennsylvania that that we take care of, built, rehabbed and these people pay 30% of their wages, and their utilities are included too. And uh, we've been able to provide housing for many, many, many people. You look at the poor single mother that has a child or two, uh, you know, your heart has to go out to that person to sleep in the back of their station wagon. We can do more. And what we can do is we can make this a nationwide effort. East to West Coast, North to South, we can do this. There are thousands upon thousands of buildings that, that are ready just to fall in the ground. And it, it shouldn't be happening that way. And we can do this. We can do this. We can find funding to do this. You know, what we don't want to do is get investors involved in it that want a piece of the pie. We don't want that. We want to keep this grassroots. We want to keep it for the people who are paying their 30% and it gives them a leg up. They have a place now. There's nothing worse in the world than to be homeless. You think it's nice to sleep out under the stars, try it 365 days a year. You're going to get pretty tired of looking at the stars. And these people need a base. If you ha- if you give the homeless people a base and, and, and all these, like I say, single uh, parents, You give them a base to come home to. A home is a home. I don't care if you live in a trailer. I don't care if you live in a shed. I don't care if you live in a mansion. All castles are home. And and we can do this. Uh, There's no doubt in my mind. And it's something that I'm gonna look into when I am in Washington DC, Justin, uh, because it's gonna happen. I'm getting a lot more support than people know. You may not see it on Twitter, but believe me, in my 15th district, yes, I've opened a lot of eyes and a lot of minds because do you want another 44 years of the exact same thing that you have now, or do you want to change that? And and I believe it was uh, Dan was talking about hemp. Of course, here in Pennsylvania, the Department of Agriculture, Pennsylvania's Department of Agriculture it, it is. Does it through permits? Application for permits to grow and process them. So they they only give out so much. Nine of them are research permits. Sixty-four of them are processing permits. That needs change. Uh, The the farmers. We have a lot of farms here, but those fields are fallow. Get rid of this permit crap. For one thing, this is how you get the bureaucracy uh, wrapping its anaconda body around you. Okay, we don't need that. You can grow corn without a permit. You can grow soybeans without a permit. You can grow potatoes without a permit. So we need to stop that now. And I'm going to look into that because hemp is going to be a plant of the future. It was a plant from the older days, actually, that they didn't seem to want to get involved with because they wanted to consider it a drug. However, here in Pennsylvania, we have the land space to do it. We have the farmers to do it. And if I can get their product from farm to a processor plant built here in Pennsylvania, I've created jobs and we have a market. We have a market. And of course, you know how I am on the the forestry. I I coined the phrase renewable resource economics. Remember that word because you're going to hear it a lot from me. I'm in coal country whole kills it killed my dad it killed uncles it killed i'm, I'm one of 11 children if, if, if you guys know that by now uh i know what poverty is this thing of poverty does not leave you when you go to washington dc wear it proud and re- wear it as a reminder as a reminder of where you came from and you won't forget your constituents um That's
0: thanks message, Ronnie. I mean, wow, that's so awesome. Can I add one quick thing? I mean, I love much, like I know one of the big problems that I've spoken to farmers about with hemp is the fact that it's expensive to get into. So what I think we should be doing at the federal level is reallocating federal subsidies that are going to giant agricultural corporations that are already profiting billions of dollars, because it's something like 10% of agricultural corporations are taking 70% of all of the agricultural subsidies. So if we could reallocate
5: those to hemp, to absolutely. Stop- well, oh, Richard, there you go. I know, absolutely. I've thought of that too. They they should be eligible for for subsidies just like Chuck Grassley's eligible for his three hundred and twenty thousand dollars worth of subsidies he took living in uh, Iowa. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, of course, we have to look at that. Why is it so difficult to grow, Dan? They're, to me, it's 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 basically a weed type plant. And my degrees in environmental science and wildlife and technology. And what's the difficult thing with hemp? I would think you would be able to grow that. You would be able to take a baler down through there. You could harvest that, bale it, and get it to that processing plant that Ronnie Ray Jenkins got the funding for in your community that's employing 600 people.
4: You know, if if I might jump in there, um, hemp is one of the most resilient crops there is. It can grow in drought. You can get three seasons out of it during a year in, in most moderate climates. In, in rough climates where, where you have extreme winters, you can get two uh, crops out of it, two harvests out of it every single year. But it's also, there's a problem in that back in the 30s and 40s, all of the hemp processing infrastructure had gone away. So now people are growing hemp for CBD. And uh, it's different. It's not the hardy industrial. And the problem is you don't have enough infrastructure there yet to harvest um, tons and tons of industrial strength hemp. And once we get that infrastructure built, we're going to be able to use it to rebuild communities that burned down in the fires or that that were flooded out like in Houston and um, communities that have been hit by the hurricanes. And because there's a a substance called hempcrete, which is basically lime and hemp. If you look at all of the uh, castles in Scotland, or what's a better example, the Great Wall of China, for example, the main materials to build these things that last for thousands of years, um, they're, they're lime and hemp mixed together into a concrete, and it breathes, it's antimicrobial, so it doesn't get destroyed in a flood, um, and it doesn't wash away because the fibers keep it really strong. It doesn't break down in earthquakes because um, it's not as brittle as regular concrete. And um, it's also fire retardant more so than any of the most fire retardant substances that are used in building materials today. So uh, the chances that a house can survive, or at least the the main structure of a house can survive and be uh, built upon after major fires is much greater than if you have a, a you know stick and 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 siding or if you have just a concrete building which is going to crumble in that heat so there are a lot of reasons for congress to start putting money subsidies into the infrastructure for hemp not to mention of course the fuel and the food stuff substances it's being used as a feed crop now um, the biomass can be used for everything from. From, you know, facial cream to textiles to, I mean, it's it's much more resilient and not fire retardant to make polyester fabric out of it using the plastic of the interior hemp herd. Um, the stalks can be made into blue jeans. In fact, Levi's blue jeans were originally made from hemp fiber instead of cotton. And it doesn't take the pesticides because you can actually make a pesticide and a fungicide by brewing hemp biomass into a tea and then spraying it on your crop. So you eliminate the need for DuPont chemicals and and glyphosate for weeding and all that stuff. I mean, all those things that have caused cancer, autism, uh, autoimmune diseases that we deal with because the farming communities are spraying all these chemicals into the ground It's seeping into the groundwater and you can't filter it out once it's there.
1: Um, yeah. And so if any of your candidates, if you're uh, when you guys, you know, get into the general, when you guys start forming a, a cannabis policy, uh, uh, there is no better person in the country a, a, at all other than Stone Bishop. She, I mean, she spent her last. Her, I mean, how
4: long has it been? How many years has it been now? Seven? Well, I started the Cannabis Reporter in 2015, but I've actually been writing about it as a journalist since 2010. Um, I'm yeah. a climate leader with uh, with Climate Reality Project, and I started studying it because of climate. And so, and that was, God, I was I had A.Z. Green magazine at the time, um, mm-hmm. and so I started writing it about it back then. But and it was okay. controversial too. I mean, my partners were going completely nuts. Why are you writing about hemp? You know, because everybody thought it was for hippies and that it got people high. But mm-hmm. you know, it, it didn't. Now, <laughs>
1: now, um, now that now we've got here. I skipped over Lauren, and I'd really like to get to Lauren because I I I love my my Arkansas people. You, you know, everything that we're talking about tonight just happens to affect Arkansas. But as Arkansas goes, so goes the nation. That's how I feel. I truly feel that because if we can get in, and, and if we can build grassroots outreach in 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 Arkansas, and then go on and and, and replicate it in places like Missouri and Kentucky, Utah, and and and, and around the the the, the nation we can reach the people that we need to reach. And then um, after I get to Lauren, I would, I see Baxter Stapleton here. And I, I had asked you to to speak like, like, like five times Baxter, and I'm not going to let you get out of it. Okay. Now Baxter is the one that I was talking about. Um, when I, uh, earlier, first of all, Baxter, you have an amazing uh, Baxter Stapleton has the most amazing slogan. And I think that we should all take the time to to consider it because nationally, This slogan, multiply, not divide. All right? And I think that is incredibly, incredibly powerful. And so um, I would like to go from here. I'd love to give Lauren a chance to speak. And then I hope, Baxter, I hope that everybody sticks around to listen to you
5: as well. Well, before I I have to leave, I have an appointment. But I did want to pop in tonight uh, just so I could get a chance again to hear some of these other candidates and and their ideas and everything. And, you know, this site that you're doing here, this space is shows – us that we all can work together to make things happen we don't have to be divided we don't have to not have dialogue outside of what the GOP does we can actually work on things to make America better so let's stick together and let's keep doing this but I have to leave tonight but I really appreciate the invite and I'll be back on Tuesday and we'll talk before that thank you you so much for
4: joining us really appreciate it okay
5: Okay. thanks thanks guys bye real quick before you leave Yes, sir. Uh, Just real
0: quick. I just want you to know, you know, you're talking about homelessness and how important it is. I'll talk really fast. Uh, you know, it would only cost twenty billion dollars to end homelessness in America. We have five times as many homes as we do have homeless people, and seventeen <laughs> percent of all homeless people are veterans. So, what yes. twenty billion dollars means is that's two point five yes. percent of the current military budget, and we could end oh,
5: absolutely, yeah, so. Dan, me, and you're on the same page when it comes to the Department of Defense and that bloviated budget. There's no doubt about it. If people only knew that about two-thirds of that money goes to uh, subcontractors and contractors, they might change their mind. It doesn't have anything to do with defending the homeland. It has a heck of a lot to do with making subcontractors and contractors rich who, in turn, become donors. So there you go.
0: Reach out to me sometime, Ronnie, and you have a good yeah, time. Yeah,
5: for sure, for sure. Anyway, good luck, guys. We're gonna do this. We're gonna keep America blue. We are going to do something for America. Enough is enough. So thanks a lot, guys, and I'll talk to you next Tuesday.
1: Thank you. Bye, Ronnie. Thank you. Uh Lauren, I would love to see the the uh the, the the floor to you and um you know I just I'll let everybody else know from Arkansas too. I gave Lauren, a whole bunch of, of information um about who's running for state office and 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 executive office. And Alan, I'm really good with, with spreadsheets. I have detailed information about everybody that's run for the House in the states of Pennsylvania, Texas, Ohio, uh, Florida, Michigan, Wisconsin, Colorado, Kentucky, Georgia. And so I uh, if you Down know Arizona. any. Community- And Arizona. Yes. And so I gave some of that. uh, I gave I think I've given all of you that. Dan, I would be more than happy to uh, give you some stuff, too. Um, You know, I just want to let you all know. And, um, you know, Lauren, please let us know about what's going on. You're, you're, you know,
2: yeah, I appreciate everything you've given. Justin's been super helpful, and it's really exciting to see people from outside of our state being interested in coming in and helping us, especially people that have been there before and know how to help us get the organization piece going, because that's definitely a big issue here um, in Arkansas, is our state party was kind of in shambles. We have a new um, a new chair now, but um, he's trying to work on getting the party out of the hole, and organization is not necessarily at the top of his mind right now he's he in his mind thinks that we can flip Arkansas in the next 10 years whereas all of us are focused on trying to flip seats now so it's been really exciting to see and talk to people outside of our state and you know brainstorm ideas what's working here and what's working there and and how can we um, help each other out and I, I think as Democrats, that's one of our our strong suits is because we do care about each other and we do want everybody to succeed. And that's going to be, I think, what's going to help us win here. Um, some of the good things working for me in my district is that I'm in one of the, um, I'm in the, the district that's kind of growing the most because we've got Walmart and Tyson and um, J.B. Hunt headquarters here. So we have a lot of move ins. I think it's a thousand new people move in per month. Um, and the biggest issue, though, is that a lot of them are not registering to vote here. A lot of them maybe come in to headquarters not knowing how long they're going to stay and don't really care to get involved much in Arkansas politics. I think our legislative session, our state legislative session is going to have from this past year that was really terrible and kind of attacked trans uh, people and um, a lot of the COVID issues and trying to keep our schools from keeping our kids safe. I think that's going to get a lot of people more interested this year and hopefully we can get them out. But one of my messages that I, I try to harp on is that it doesn't matter right now what policies that we put in place or what policies we develop until we get selfish people out of office, because selfish people are not going to vote for the policies that matter for the people. They're only going to vote for the policies that are there for the corporations that they're paid off to, to support. So If we can get people to realize that, Arkansas has a really cool ballot, I think, because all of us, except for maybe Josh, um, have not necessarily been in the political realm for very long. So, it's taken what's gone on in the, the climate here. For me, it was nationally because I'm a healthcare worker, and I was really irritated with how COVID was handled from federal level all the way down to state. And so that's really got what got me interested. But I think we have enough people now that are true of uh, working class people interested in making changes. And and our ballot is going to be full of all of those people. So I think that's how we're going to be able to connect to people is because we, we are out there doing jobs. I was um, furloughed for a little bit. Like a lot of the people that were um, in 2020, you know, I see COVID daily. I have kids that are in school. I used to teach. So I've got a lot of ways that I can connect with people. And and same with Natalie and Dan and, and Chris, like none of us ever planned to really be political leaders, but we just got tired of the crap that we were seeing that really pushed us to want to make changes. And I think that's important for the people that want to, that we want to represent us because it's, it's the people that are doing it because their heart changed because of all that was going on, not because they have always wanted to be a politician.
1: Yeah. And, you know, you know that I, I also want to add, I've had a lot of you um, mentioned to me, you know, talk about policy stuff. And I, I'm more than happy to talk about policy. The thing is, if you run a campaign based on policy, you're going to lose. OK, because th- th- that right now there would this is not a, 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 an election built upon Democrats versus Republicans. This is this is Americans ver- versus Nazis. This is democracy versus fascism. And I think that it's really important that you said that, Lauren, because the point of the matter is, OK, and that's why I like the Sam Party, because aligning ourselves with people like Sam will help us to learn the process of legislation again, the proper process of legislation, of working together and 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 of, of completing a, a, a something in a way that is acceptable for all of the parties, because by its nature, politics is compromise. It is what we what we have to do, and you know we don't have to compromise our 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 values and our morals in order to compromise with other people. And so, when we get back into office, one of the things that we can that uh, we can work on is uh, working. And I actually believe that this is this is a big reason why we're polarized. John Boehner removed earmarks, and as far as I know, I don't think that we they've ever put them back. And see earmarks. You know whatever you may think about the process. In order to 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 get people around the country, it used to be people now think that people like Marjorie Taylor Greene or AOC that they make are, are the definition of what a, what a congressperson is. Okay, because they're the ones that are most popular and most well known. Before that, it used to be whoever could 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 bring in the most for their state for their district and help them the most people you know bringing in and funds for to start you know like um you know NASA places and 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 uh you know building building just you know actually D- Baxter would know a lot about this because Dayton has like NCR you know they used to the congress people used to bring funds into the country or to, to the districts and we need to focus on doing that again all right. And so, Lauren, I think it's really great that you that you brought that up. You know, it's just we're not going to win on policy. People are going to be bored. They're they are wanting to be entertained. And so um, now now I'm going to turn it over to Baxter and Baxter. I saw your 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 recent um, Baxter for Congress. Uh, the three minute one where you were in the blue shoes. I didn't get the blue shoes, but <laughs> I'd love to give you a platform to talk and to to let everybody here introduce you all. I strong, Alan. I really think that you should follow Baxter. He is—he's just—he's
8: great. Okay. Thanks, Justin. Thanks so much for everyone on the on this space, and this has been an awesome community. It's uh, been really supportive because I feel like what's been happening. So I'm in Southwest Ohio in District 10, but the Supreme Court of Ohio just struck down our congressional maps last week. So there's been some hope for fair districts here in Ohio. So that's been really encouraging. But uh, yeah, what's been interesting here, Justin, is so many people in my district think that our congressman is directly responsible for the military base. That's been his like main claim to fame over his tenure of his career and just really showcasing how Congress works and realizing that he's not that responsible for what's – he, he has kind of been following that model of like, well, I'm, I'm bringing back all these projects to the military base, which employs a lot of people in the area, but trying to really structure an argument that showcases that, you know, when someone places all their eggs in one basket, it really kind of can make our economy fragile. So I'm just trying to go back to the James Carville, you know, line of thinking where it's about the economy and just really because it what I've been noticing is that a lot of people here aren't really favorable of our current congressman, but then they turn it back and ask me, well, you know, what are you going to do? So trying to make it more propositional and showcasing, okay, what I'm going to do versus like making it so, because I feel like candidates in the past who run for this seat have been very um, just antagonistic or, oh, he votes with Trump this percentage of the time. I just feel like that hasn't really resonated with people because they really want to know here. It's more like, okay, well, what are you going to do? So, really articulating that's been something I'm focusing on more and more.
1: Well, uh, yeah. And you know, um, now we're, we're up, we're up against so much and, um, you know, we're going to have to pull out all the stops. And so Baxter, I, I, I don't know if you heard me when I was speaking before, so I'll repeat it for you. I know that most of everybody else has already heard it. I've mentioned this to you before. Okay. But, I, I think to get up, uh, get out the vote. Okay, that we really need to to bring out a a um that we really need to work on on uh, national concerts. I mentioned it to you. It's voter aid. That was my my idea for it. And try to yeah. get try to get big 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 names, but also featuring local people and maybe highlighting local you know a local band that that you know, for the first time ever, let them get on stage. Who cares if they screw up? It's it's not, it's not about the, the entertainment. It's about getting, you know, helping people that need it. So imagine if you're a local band, and all of a sudden Janelle Lone is like, get up on the stage, you know? Like, what is that gonna do for that one band? And then how many people come to see that band play? All right? And, and so That's if dear. we do this, if we do this across the country in places like, like um, Bowling Green, Kentucky, All right. Dayton, Ohio, little rock, Arkansas. I mean, I don't know any other place in Arkansas, so there must not be, I mean, I can't even imagine what the little towns are, you know, like there, there's just, there's so much potential here. And, And really, if we just focus on the big races in the blue places, they're not, the Republicans will not see this coming. All right. Especially if we align ourselves with people like David Jolly, all right. And the, and the thing about David Jolly is that there's so much to learn from him because there are obviously a lot of you, if, if the DNC were helping all of you guys, you would be on a call with the DNC and not with me. They're not you're, they're not helping that. And, and so right now, one way that we can break free of this schism between progressives and new Democrats and everything. Why don't we, working with, with, with David Jolly could give us a chance to lead a Tea Party style insurgency of our own, a for the people, okay? I mean, he knows how to do it, he did it before. And so if we can work together, if we can work and use every tool that we have, okay? Some of us are gonna win, some of us are gonna lose. There's only one person that's gonna come out of any one race, all right? And so we have to think, if we work together as a team, then the people that help, you know what the people that get through. We have to remember help the people that didn't. All right, because exactly. because you guys are you guys are so so capable and so brilliant. And Baxter, you know Natalie talked talk to me about about the voter about about voter aid. And Dan, I want you to know you and Natalie are are exceptional candidates. You guys are why I'm so excited to do this every Tuesday. And I want you both to be aware that no matter who comes out of this. I will fight for both of you equally as hard. Okay. And because, because, and, and whoever doesn't come out of it, I will fight for you equally as hard because you guys have, you guys have done all the hard work. And, um and Baxter, like, if you want to talk with Snowden, Snowden used to work. She was an executive producer at HBO before she did a lot of this. Um, we can get together and see about, what we can do uh, on, on, you know, a, a, like getting a concert like that started. And um, we, there are, we, we, I have connections that can get to one of the largest Democratic bundlers in the nation. So we can put this all together. This can happen. Yeah. Okay.
8: And, that, and that, was, that was my background for the last nine years before I, you know, moved into this political campaign was that I, you know, I was working in music and production. So that's why I'm tapping in all my friends and connections now to really make that possible. So I, I totally agree. I believe this is like something that we definitely can leverage and something that I'm actively working on myself. So I'd love to help and, you know, make it more of a tour or, or even like live stream it, you know, make it so that it could be a production. Absolutely. So I, I think it's brilliant.
4: Yeah, it absolutely can be live streamed. Um, to get everybody in the country to pay attention, when yeah. if we did it in in each of the the really deep red states, especially, um, but also go to some of the other states. But I think it's important to really try to engage people in those deep red areas that that don't get much attention from from this kind of a movement. And I've I've worked at I worked at uh, EMI Capital for for several years and um i've done a ton of concert i worked with some pretty huge names um working with them on their tours and just about everything i was uh, um, i interfaced between the a and r departments and and the executives of of a pretty large large record company and so i've done this kind of thing before plus i did the first live streaming of uh life is beautiful festival in in uh Las Vegas. Yes, and, yeah. yeah, and and uh, I put together a thing called Live Ed, which was to support education, another concert series. Um, and've I've done tours like this. So yeah, and if you want to get involved, you know let's let's touch bases with each other because I think that this is something that can happen and maybe maybe not in time for all of the primaries, but at least um, to leading up to the the general election in November. And if we can get some big sponsors on board, I think that it's completely doable. Absolutely, yeah. Um, uh,
1: now, just, just, just giving uh, everyone a little heads up here, that there's a very special guest that's in the room right now. His name is Theo Demmel. And Theo Demmel is a 14-year-old activist, okay? He started as uh, a youth activist when he was eight years old when he was um, campaigning for Bernie Sanders and then when he was 14 he ran uh the um the campaign for play a prince for uh New York mayor okay and so whenever i see theo theo i can't give you too much time but i would love to uh let you you know have the floor and to talk to some of these candidates and Alan, i know that he he's probably going to go go crazy over being able to meet you but you know how are you doing theo
4: Oh yeah, I'm
3: good, Alan. I've actually spoken to him before. He's a very good candidate, um, and I think I might have spoken to you, Dan, at some point. I know I follow you, but um, yeah, I'm
4: just I like being here. I can only be here for 20 minutes today because I have an interview on another space afterwards. But well,
1: you're 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 really making it now, huh? And these, yeah. you're <laughs> you're
4: gonna become a
1: political uh, little campaigner, huh? Yeah. So, anyway, um. But I just I love being able to give Theo. It it, it makes my heart happy to know that we have people like Theo. Okay, because uh, it, it's just people that want to be a part of the process. And, and and you know, and to know like Theo, you're seen and you're heard, and we're here for you. And like I always tell you every week, you need help for your homework. You come to me and I'll help you. Okay. B- and this is how we win. This yeah. is how we win. Okay. Because. Because Theo, in my life, Theo doesn't mean anything in my life to the long run. But you know what? Theo matters. And so, you know, I think about it. I really do think about it. But I was like, oh, my gosh, he's getting his tutor. Okay. You know, like, because what about the people that don't have people to think about? them? And that's why I'm doing this for, for everyone. And that's what, what we need to remember, why we're doing this. Um, and, uh, well, I see that there's I see there's a bunch of candidates here. Um, I know that Natalie James is here and uh, I see that you have your hand up. Uh, so if, Dan, if you want to talk and then Natalie, and I'll try to go through the rest of the list that I have of you guys here.
0: Yeah, sorry, I'll be quick. Um, I just think it's really important that we kind of hit back on the importance of policy because you know, Arkansas is very unique in different ways. And we've had candidates, at Democrats, who have ignored policy and have been focusing on party politics for 10 years. And because of that, we have ended up with a super minority in the Democratic Party and the Republicans keep winning. And that's why we had, you know, a million registered voters that didn't vote is because they didn't have candidates that got them excited about policy. So I do think it is actually really important to talk about policy, to get people excited about policy, because after we get them registered, that's what's going to get them to go vote. Like when we talk about cannabis or hemp or health care for all. Um, you know, ending homelessness, things like that. Those are all policies that get Republicans to vote for Democrats. So, you know, for if we do ignore policy and just try to focus on the same old party politics, then unfortunately, our state's going to stay the same old way, and we're going to end up with a Sarah Huckabee Sanders governor, a Leslie Rutledge lieutenant governor, and so on. So, we do have to be very careful. That we really not just play the party politics, but we have to focus on policy and get people excited because that's how we win and that's how we get people to the polls. You, you know that. Okay. I, now, when I when I
1: said uh, you know if we if we focus on policy we're going to lose, I meant as as the majority of, of of our race. Of course, everyone should have a really fleshed out policy platform. Okay. The problem is is that now ronnie ray came in here and ronnie ray had this great idea and he's like you know we need to get everyone to have two years of college and we need to have everybody uh working to get into the to um you know get them so that they 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 can put solar panels instead of this and i said ronnie do you do realize everything that you mentioned every single thing is in the build back better and he goes and i said and you are are working to get you know, because of coal, and he said, "I said that's really important." He said, "You did realize that Manchin took out the the, the part of the policy that said that that um, they were going to just they were going to just pay coal miners to, to 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 not work, and that's how they were they were going to solve the problem. And then they were going to try to 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 re you know re retrain them, and then they just took it out altogether. And so the problem the problem with policy is that until we get uh, candidates." In office, that can actually make a functional government so that we can actually have a functional legislation, like legislative process, because we don't have that now. And so, now at this point, after Build Back Better, people are going to be like, Oh, yeah, yeah, they said they were going to give all that. What happened? And it doesn't matter for what reason, it doesn't matter why they don't have it. What matters is that they don't have it. And so, and so, we need, I, I agree with you, Dan, that we need to focus on having firm policies of our own so that we know the direction we're going in. But if we just focus on policy and not I mean, not focusing on, on uh, engaging in ways that get people's attention, because this election cycle, I think Alan said it really well, we need to meet people on their level. We need to go to where people are. And if you're meeting people on Discord, they're not going to want to talk to you so much about about you know any specific policy, they're going to want to be talking to you and knowing who you are, finding out what you're about. What is this party about? And, and you know, the Democrats have turned us into a party of of socialists and of liars and of cheaters and of and so we really need to meet meet this messaging problem that we have. And so um, at this point, uh, I, I haven't let Natalie speak, and I do see I see Lauren. I see Melanie, and uh, so I mean I'd love to give you a chance to talk to respond to that, Natalie. And I, like like I said, I like you both. You guys are both great candidates. No matter what happens to either one of you, whoever wins and whoever loses, I will be there for both of you to figure out where we're going to go after this. Okay.
3: Well, how is everybody doing today? It's not a rhetorical question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great. So
4: happy
3: to hear your voice. voice. Yes, I'm glad to hear you guys. You guys are always amazing hosting these spaces, introducing us into new topics, new ways of thinking, and actually introducing us to people and the issues that are driving the people, which is one of the most important parts of why we're running. We're not here to, you know, be a sounding board for ourselves because that gets kind of boring. We're here to be a sounding board that's going to reach the masses. So, Theo, I have a question. What is, when you're talking to a a candidate or you're talking to somebody who wants to be your representative, what is it that you want to hear from us? Because the youth are the ones that are going to win this race for us. The youth, as I was watching yesterday and remembering with MLK, those are the ones that are going to change and push us forward in our movement. The civil rights movement was built off the backs of our high schoolers and college students. And yes, even our elementary students were jailed for the cause to push us forward. And Lyndon B. Johnson gave us civil rights after we fought for years and years and years. Well, we fought for a little bit over 59, 60 years now for voting rights. And we have forgotten the blueprint that's already there. And it's gonna take the youth, getting them excited, getting them engaged. And we have some of the youth on here, and I know that they don't want to hear me come up here and beating about what's wrong and bantering them and, you know, chastising them. They want to hear motivation. They want to hear locker room pep talk. They want to hear inspiring. They want to hear that I've behaved the way I've taken the brute force of it for you. Come on, let's get this done. That's what our generation is needing and what we're wanting to hear. In Arkansas, it is a very unique very, very unique town, excuse me, It's given issues. But Arkansas is a very unique state. What's going on with Arkansas's election is we're a red state. Is that what everybody really thinks? Because that's not what I think. What I think is we are a low voter turnout state. We are the lowest in the United States with 22 percent of our voters coming out. We have 1.5 million registered voters and 3 million people that are actually here in Arkansas. That's a lot of people. 22% is not reflective of the actual votes that are out here. So when everybody tells me that Arkansas, you guys have a hard race. No, We have an amazing diverse ticket with amazing candidates that are gonna pull out the rest of the people so we can actually gauge what Arkansas is and who Arkansas is because, quite frankly, I don't even think she knows what she is with 22% voting turnout. I'm hearing a lot of candidates and I'm I'm just loving it and I'm looking at everybody. So I have to go through the whole list because I'm seeing Alan in here, I'm seeing Lauren, I'm seeing Melanie, I'm seeing Mari. I'm seeing Eugene was in here earlier. He's another one that's helped out tremendously with everybody. But it's so many different candidates in here that are all we're all doing the same thing. We're putting in the work and we're getting.